Well, good morning, everybody. Lovely to see those of you who are here in church. Um, and for those on Zoom, I'm waving to you and hopefully you're waving back. Um, and lovely to have you also joining us today. Um, those on Zoom, you will be muted during the service. Um, there will be an opportunity to, um, to uh, pray and we'll allow things to be unmuted at that point. But if you can please keep muted otherwise. Um, no specific notices to give apart from um, who's on Zoom today. And um, can you just move on to the next slide? So our host today is Nigel. So if you would require prayer after the service, then Nigel is there on 07770-704987. And if you want to give him a call or text him, preferably text him with your name so that um, he knows to put you into a prayer room. And um, we won't be offering that here in church. Uh, so... Um, just to say that those here in church, um, just normal rules apply while we're still here in the in the pandemic, which is, yes, you're here and we'd love to have you here. But um, when we're singing, please don't sing along. It's still not allowed. Um, for those at home, you can sing to your heart's content. So, <laughs> so let's just start with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this amazing day, the day that the Lord has made. and We will rejoice and be glad in it because of who you are, because of the sacrifice that you made for each one of us. And so, Lord, we just ask now that you would just come and fill our hearts with praise again for our wonderful God, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, those, those who are in here, what, what you can do for those here in church is that you can stand, you can dance, uh, move around. So uh, let's just give our praise to Jesus. your kingdom come here let your will be done here in us jesus there is no one greater you alone our savior show the world your love king of heaven come down king of heaven come let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name. King of heaven, come. We are children of your mercy. Rescued for your glory. Jesus, set our hearts towards you, that every eye would see you, lifted high. King of heaven, come down, King of heaven, come now, let your glory reign, shining like the day, King of heaven, come, King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. 
of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come down. Let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come down. Let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven. Lord Jesus, King of heaven, come, King of heaven, of heights to the depths of the sea, creations revealing your majesty, from the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. You Told every lightning bolt where it should go. Or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow. Who imagine the sun and gives source to its light? It conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. None can fathom. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untainable, all 
that we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim you are amazing God indescribable uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name you are amazing God incomparable unchangeable you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same you are amazing God indescribable uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name you are amazing God incomparable unchangeable you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same you are amazing God you are amazing God you are amazing God I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart Let the healer set me free I'm happy to be in the truth And I will daily lift my hands For I will always sing When your love came down, yeah I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart, let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands. For I will always sing a when your love came down, yeah. I could sing of your love forever. 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 I feel like dancing It's foolishness I know When the world has seen the light 
they will dance with joy like we're dancing now they will dance with joy like we're dancing now they will dance with joy like we're dancing now i could sing of your love Sing of your love forever. I could 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 sing of your love thank you that it's your love that holds us together lord we thank you that we can sing of your amazing grace of your love for each one of us lord we just want to bless your holy name we're just going to open up the mics so if you want to unmute on on zoom um, and pray your prayers of praise and thanksgiving to god then please do for those here in the sanctuary um, there we have a microphone, a roaming microphone. We ask you not to touch the microphone, but if you want to pray out loud, then please would you raise your hand and um, Tony will come over to you. Let's just give our prayers of praise and thanks. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell you of your mighty acts. They will speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. reading from Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drinks to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing amongst the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for men to cultivate that he might bring forth food from the earth. You have made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and it is night, when all the beasts of the forest creep forth. When the sun rises, they get away and lie down in their dens. Then man goes forth to his work and to his labor until the evening.
Thank you. You met us in the darkness and brought us into the light. Yes. Father God, send your spirit in us afresh. Mm. We may only sing in our spirits. We may sing in our lifestyle. But Father, we pray you will help us. Pour out your spirit afresh today on us as we hear your word. Help us rejoice in it and live in it and walk in it because you're a good, good God. And we love you so much. You. Amen. Lord, just listening in the silence, we hear the birds outside, and it reminds me of the verse, Lord, you love each of those birds, and you, you care for them, and you give them all they need. How much more do you, our Father in heaven, give us? He who cares for the birds. Lord, we continue to bring before you our communities at this time. Lord, we thank you that um, you care for each one of us. You care for this country. You care for our communities. You care for, for our lives. And Lord, we, we thank you that we're starting to see green shoots. We're starting to see things that are becoming more positive within this country. Lord, we thank you for the vaccine rollout. We praise you for that, Lord. Um, and Lord, we just ask that uh, as we as we start to, to 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 see things relaxed and things change, Lord, we pray that there would be an infilling of your Spirit, Lord, into people's lives. That they will have used this time, Lord, to to draw closer to you. Lord, we pray for countries like India that are suffering at the moment, and Lord, we we continue to lift them before you because, Lord, they. <laughs> That, you know, that we're seeing lots, lots of problems there with still with COVID-19. Lord, we know that we're not through all of this yet, but Lord, we trust in an unfailing God, one who cares for us and loves us. And so, Father God, we just um, continue to lift each person who's here on Zoom and here in church, Lord, and those that haven't been able to join us. Lord, we just continue to lift them before you, knowing that we serve a good God, and we praise you. Amen. So I'm going to move on, and we're going to we're going to have Mark's talk. That uh, we I always look forward to these. It's great. Um, and uh, over to you, Jack. Hi, everyone. Oh. Welcome to the next episode in our all eight videos about wisdom. Just a minute. You go back back a slide, and then we'll restart that. Hi, everyone. Still nothing. Come through on Zoom, but not on the, in the church. That's fine. But <laughs> I 
Hi, everyone. Hey. Welcome to the next episode in... Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode in our all-age videos about wisdom. This morning, as we continue to look at the Wisdom Book of Ecclesiastes, Martin will be speaking about the futility of riches. So in our video this morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus' teaching about putting all your faith and all your trust in earthly wealth. You see, one day, Jesus was teaching the people as normal, when a man, and let's call him Bob, shall we, pushed through the crowd. He wanted to ask Jesus to do something for him. He said, teacher, tell my brother to divide our inheritance with me. I want what I'm due, and he's not sharing it fairly. Jesus replied, why are you asking me? Who made me the judge? The man said, but you're a wise teacher and a, a, an expert in the law, and I know you can be trusted. Well then, Jesus continued, you need to be careful because you're starting to sound a little bit greedy and you need to watch out for all different types of greed, even if you think it's your right, because life is not about how much we have. It's much, much more than that. So let me tell you a story. It might help. One day, there was this farmer. His farm was quite small, but he worked really hard and his crops grew well. He often had to go out into the fields and chase the birds away so that they wouldn't eat his grain. And one day, he even found a small boy sitting at the side of his field tucking into the grain. The farmer was so selfish, he wouldn't share anything, and he even chased the little boy away. The farmer was pleased, and when it came time to harvest, the farmer gathered all his grain into a big pile. There was so much of it. Now he was really rich. He was set for life. His hard work had paid off. He could kick back and take it easy and live the life of luxury. But when he looked at the massive pile of grain, he realized that it wouldn't fit into his small, rickety old barns. There was just too much of it. So he thought to himself, I know, I'll build new, bigger barns so that I can store everything I own and no one else will be able to get at their hands on it. And that is just what he did. 
Then, that evening, he had a party all by himself. While he was partying, God spoke to him and said, You fool! Look at all this wealth you've gathered together, and not once have you thought of helping anyone else with it. Listen to me. You are going to die tonight. And what is going to happen to all of your stuff then? It'll just rot away and no one will benefit. And sure enough, that evening, the farmer died and everything that he had stored up was eaten up by the birds and animals or simply rotted away. You see, the farmer could have done so much good with his money. He could have helped so many people, but he was selfish and he wanted to keep everything for himself. He thought his wealth and riches were his security and made him the man he was. He put all his trust in money, not in God. But money in itself is not a bad thing. Money can do a lot of good. But when money becomes the most important thing, then it is bad because God should be the most important thing in our lives. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin can destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Because where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. Thanks, Mark. It's brilliant. <laughs> so today's reading is from Ecclesiastes 1, and we're continuing on um, from verse 12, um, going through to Ecclesiastes 2, verse 26. So it's a bit of a long reading, but... Um, it's, it's good to read the word of God, isn't it? I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart had, been great, had a great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, 
and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. I brought I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, from, from my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for my, all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expanded in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can man do? who comes after the king, only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool was in dark, walks in darkness, and yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For all the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How will the wise die? So how the wise dies, just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used under my wisdom, under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labours under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a, man from all, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give it to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Let's pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, sometimes it's difficult to understand these passages, Lord, and, and this, this wisdom, and, and sometimes when we see things of vanity, and, and Lord, we just want you to open up your word to us now. So, Lord, we ask that as Martin comes to speak, that, Lord, you would just guide him um, by your spirit, and Lord, give us ears to hear your word, we ask 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Well done, Steve. Long, long reading there. Did really well. I thought we were going to have a bit of a, a hoedown in here this morning with the, uh, the Western music. I was sort of ready to go for it, but uh, that was good. Thank you. Um, I've called this one Finding Happiness Through Pleasing God. Um, now, for all the purists among you who say, well, aren't Christians more about joy than happiness? Well, of course, um, joy uh, includes happiness. Joy uh, includes uh, fulfillment, satisfaction, fullness of life, all of those things. But I'm using the term happiness because it's sort of more contemporary to our current uh, culture. So just bear with me. Um, I'm also uh, including joy within, within happiness. We live, don't we, in a, in a culture that is uh, fixated on well-being and happiness. Um, through lockdown, mental health rates have, have escalated, and uh, there's a lot of talk about mental health, particularly at the moment. Um, and happiness and well-being are the, the buzzwords, aren't they, everywhere you go. But there's nothing new in this search for happiness and well-being. Um, back in the 1600s, Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician and philosopher, said this, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they use, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, to be happy. This is the motive of every action of every man. And going further back, Augustine in the third century spoke about that um, there's uh, that we are all seeking after God. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. Research today indicates that there's little correlation between the circumstances of people's lives and how happy they are. For example, there's a very weak correlation between wealth and contentment. You need a certain baseline amount of wealth in order to be happy because um, a certain baseline amount of wealth generates the ability to make choices, to uh, pay the bills, to have food on the table. But beyond that, there is very little correlation between the level of contentment and the wealth uh, that we have. So the things that human beings um, think will bring contentment and fulfillment don't seem to. Um, we're encouraged through social media and advertising to seek perfection in a comfortable, fulfilled, stress-free life. If you just have that holiday, or that aftershave, or that perfume, or the next upgrade on your iPhone, you will be happy and fulfilled. That's the way that it works. And all of these things are supposed to give us a better, more fulfilled, stress-free life, aren't they? It's the Goldilocks syndrome. Everything must be just right, or we're unhappy with our lives. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, life isn't like that, is it? At least mine isn't. I don't, yours may be, but uh, I found that life doesn't go smoothly always. It's not always comfortable. Um, there is much joy and fulfillment and happiness in life. But there's, awful, there's an awful lot of stress, um, ambiguity, frustration, disappointment. Just me or? No? Okay, thank you. I'm getting some nods. Life is filled with uncertainty, imperfection, complexity, injustice, 
as well as much joy and fulfillment and pleasure. So it's a strange mix of all of that, isn't it? So because the Goldilocks syndrome doesn't work, there are proliferating rates of depression and anxiety in prosperous nations. Interesting that, isn't it? That, well, that uh, mental health rates are at their highest in some of the most uh, affluent and advanced cultures because we've set up this expectation for comfortable, affluent, pain-free lifestyles. They're simply not attainable. And what we all long for as human beings is happiness in all our pursuits, earning a living, finding a spouse in our relationships, having fun, keeping fit in our careers. We all exhibit a common desire to be happy in all that we do. And that's a good pursuit. It's a positive pursuit. Um, and Solomon shows us that he's exactly the same as us in pursuing satisfaction, meaning, purpose, joy, happiness, wisdom. Um, Solomon conducts a thought experiment in this book, in Ecclesiastes, about is it possible to find happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction in the things of life? That's what he's doing here. He's looking back on his life and going, well, yeah, I tried that and I tried that and I tried that. Did I really find meaning, purpose, happiness, joy through these things? And he, he's, he's gracious enough to record his thought experiment with us as he looks back on his life. And he looks back on his life and he finds that life independent of God, that is, life under the sun, is vanity. It's meaningless. If you live your life independently of God, you will, it's like a chasing after the wind. You will find that all of these things, good as they are in themselves, will not give you the meaning and purpose and happiness that you're seeking from them. Why? Because they can't. They weren't created for that purpose. So this is what... Uh, uh, Solomon concludes in verse 14. I have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold all is vanity, the striving after the wind. So after all of his accumulation of power and riches and concubines and pleasure, he looks back on his life and says, it's all vanity. It's all a striving after the wind. But... That's not the end of the story, thankfully, because Solomon comes to this happy conclusion in verse 26a. This is really the gospel according to Solomon, right? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. Isn't that good news? To the one, to the person who pleases God, who seeks God, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. So it's possible to find happiness in life and satisfaction and fulfillment in life when we seek God and we seek to please him. Um, so today I want to look at how Solomon's experiences can guide us towards a happy life, a meaningful life. First, we'll look at how happiness seems to elude us and is like smoke or vapor. Second, we will look at how death clouds the pursuit of happiness. Third, we will look at the true source of happiness. And fourth, we'll apply this to how we can pursue true happiness in, in 
pleasing God and enjoying God. Now, the passage today is like um, Solomon's video blog or video diary of his life, um, of his adventure through life. It's like uh, <laughs> Solomon has, has written the eulogy while he's still alive, right? He's written his own tribute um, while he's still alive. First stop was Jerusalem University, uh, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 16 to 17. I said in my heart, I have, I have acquired great wisdom, uh, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart um, has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. Um, so one more. I perceive that this also is a striving after the wind. Solomon learned so much, and yet his heart ached like someone who knows nothing. Verse uh, 18, for in much, in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Um, I think what Solomon is saying here is the more that you come to know, the more you come to know that you don't know, right? There's always more detail, truth to discover. And the more, the deeper you go in research and in knowledge and in wisdom, the more you realize you don't know. Um, and there's a level of vexation in that. There's a level of human limitation in that. So degree certificates galore line Solomon's walls, but his tears and his frustrations are exactly the same as the, as the chap who left school at 14 and is sweeping the streets. He still is vexated by the complexities and ambiguities uh, of life. And then, after university, Solomon tried pleasure-seeking as his source of happiness. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. Um, he explored comedy. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? Now, I love comedy and I love jokes and uh, there, is a, there, is a, there is a pleasure to be had um, in comedy. Uh, we were, before lockdown, one of my birthday presents was uh, to go and see Jack D at Woking and uh, it's, it's been postponed, I think, three times. Uh, anybody else got tickets that they've not, not yet been able to use for, yeah, yeah, for things? Um, hopefully we'll get, to, we'll get to that gig at some point. I like a bit of live comedy. Um, but Solomon here is, re is referring to the sort of comedy that people use to make it through life, um, sort of mocking and cynical humour. You know, um, the sort of humour that people use to distract themselves from their own insecurities by sort of mocking uh, others. Um, I, I do enjoy Mock the Week and Have I Got News for You and so forth, but sometimes I think they go beyond the bounds of, of what I would call good, good comedy into a kind of mocking and cynical and self-righteous condemnation of other people, right? Some of it's really good stuff. Some of the comedians are really positive um, and there's some good humor, but others, it's, it's all about mocking people in order to sort of build up my own self-esteem and to put others down. And that's the sort of humor, comedy that uh, Solomon tried and found wanting. Next, he tried fine wine, verse three. Uh, I searched with my heart 
how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. So it's important to say here, Solomon is not getting blind drunk, right? Look at, look at the text. He says, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. So he, he enjoys his wines. Um, I like a glass of wine, okay? I need to say that up front. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. And what is his conclusion about all this pleasure-seeking? It's all vanity under the sun. Um, for many, their pastimes and pleasures simply a distraction. Um, going back to alcohol, um, there's been a proliferation of alcohol issues during lockdown. That won't surprise you at all, will it? Um, a, because the pubs are shut, or have been. And B, because people are looking to anesthetize themselves against the stress and anxiety of being in lockdown. And that's true not just of alcohol, but of many pleasures and pastimes. People are using those as a distraction, and I, I would bracket social media use into that as well. A way of anesthetizing ourselves against the pain of reality. We all know that death is looming over us, that our lives are temporary and fragile. And we use these distractions as a way of distracting ourselves from the reality of the big questions of life. We keep ourselves busy with anything to avoid the big questions of life. So people scroll endlessly through social media and Twitter messages to fill the void, to fill the emptiness, to fill the sense of futility that's there. We all know it's there. We're all bored. We're all entertaining ourselves to death, as one writer has put it. We're all seeking meaning and happiness, and we're all filling these voids with anything that we can get our hands on. Comedy, alcohol, social media, we're filling the void. Next, Solomon tried building projects, creativity, as his source of fulfillment. Verses four to five. Um, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. So really good projects, good constructive things. So Solomon thought perhaps work and management projects, getting things done is the way to go to find happiness. Solomon even became general manager of the royal estate. So you can imagine um, we all enjoy uh, Virginia water and the royal estates walking around there, don't we, up the, up the road? Well, Solomon was manager of all that lot, right? So all the money that you shovel in the parking meters, and I do when we go for a walk, maybe you found a parking space that I haven't, but that would have been Solomon's, right? This was, this was the power of this guy, right? Next, Solomon tried money, sex, and power, verse 7. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. So he was an A-list celebrity, top of the Forbes annual billionaires list, up there with Bill Gates, 
although Bill Gates is about to be about half as rich, I understand, as he was. Everything he wanted, he got immediately. The stuff of dreams, fame and fortune, wisdom. The sky is the limit for Solomon. And he seems to have reached the top of his game, the top of the ladder, doesn't he? And when he gets there, what does he find? There's nothing there. There's just emptiness, futility, meaningless, an ache. It doesn't, it doesn't fulfill his hopes and dreams. It's all pointless, meaningless. Verse 11. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I'd expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and uh, striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Sounds a bit pessimistic, doesn't it? Well, what about all the palaces he built and the wisdom he shared with the Queen of Sheba and all the rest of it? Yeah, he's saying, it, those are all good projects. But at the end of the day, they're not going to last. Nothing lasts forever. And three things I want us to learn from Solomon. First, happiness is like smoke or vapour. It's here one minute and gone the next. Um, I, I mentioned this before, but these spring mornings, you go outside and you can see your breath. But um, happiness is like the breath that appears when you go outside on a spring morning. It's there one moment, it's gone the next. You, you try and get hold of your breath in the air. You can't get hold of it. It eludes you. It evades you. And that's, that's happiness. That's pleasures and achievements in life. Don't give us the lasting happiness that we want. It's like breath that disappears. It eludes us. We can't get hold of it. Look at the number of times in the passage that Solomon says again and again, wisdom, pleasure, work, wealth. All of this is vanity. Life under the sun, without God, independent of God, is vanity. It's like smoke or vapor. It slips through your fingers. You can't get hold of it. It's like chasing the wind. In the end, you gain nothing from all your efforts. Um, C.S. Lewis, in the, in the Second World War, did a series of wartime radio talks to encourage uh, troops who were serving. And he, and he gave one radio broadcast on BBC on, on hope. And I think this is really powerful. He says this, um, most people, if they really learn to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. There is always something we grasp at. In that first moment of longing, that just fades away in the reality. The spouse may be a good spouse. The scenery has been excellent. It has turned out to be a good job, but it, happiness, has evaded us. Lewis is saying that happiness is something, it's like a vapor, it evades our grasp. Second, death also clouds our pursuit of happiness. The reason that happiness doesn't last and is like a vapor that comes and goes is that everything in life is transient, passing. Even life itself, death comes to the wise and the foolish. Verse 16. For of the, what, 
Sorry, there we go. For of, of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will be forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. I think it's fair to say that Solomon is a mixture of the wise and the fool, isn't he? If you read his story in 1 Kings uh, chapter 3 onwards, he's a good mix of wise and foolish. A bit like you and me, really. He did a lot of good in his building projects and his sharing of wisdom, but he went too far in his pleasure seeking. Um, God warned any king in, in Israel that if they married foreign wives, that they're in danger of um, idolatry and of going after foreign gods. And that's exactly what Solomon did, isn't it? He was told off by God um, and judged by God, and the kingdom split into two parts because of Solomon's many, many women, and eventually his heart turned to other gods and idols. And my own view uh, on this is that later in his life, Solomon repented of all of his excess pleasure-seeking, and we get a kind of autobiographical account here of his repentance, of Solomon coming back to God and finding the true source of happiness in God again. And the reality of the shadow of death, I think, is one of the reasons that Solomon's heart turned back to God. He realized that everything would come to an end. And it affected everything that, that in his life. It slowly dawned on him that it's not just pleasure that's a passing thing. All of his building projects, his gardens, his parks, are going to be left to somebody else. And ultimately, who's to say that all of this won't fall into the lap of a fool? Verse 18. I hated all toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeking that I must leave it, seeing to the man who comes after me and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Now, we might think Solomon is being way too bleak and pessimistic here. I'll leave that to you, to your judgment. But actually, our culture doesn't cause us to think about eternal destiny. We have a culture through advertising that tells you and I that pleasure and happiness are to be found in the things that we pursue in this life, be it alcohol, be it aftershaves, be it holidays, be it homes, improving your home. How many home improvement shows are there on the TV? Hundreds. You know, even antiques are seen as a way of keeping past memories going, aren't they? You know, if you watch uh, that restoration program, it's all about this sort of antique belonged to my great granddad and uh, seeing it restored, people get very emotional, don't they? Because they see that antique represents the ongoing reality of their family uh, existence. And so it's a way of grasping after eternal life, isn't it? Of leaving things to future generations. But ultimately, who knows whether who we're leaving it to is going to be wise or a fool. And ultimately, nothing lasts. The earth is decaying. The sun will one day go out. And everything and everybody will be forgotten. That's uh, Solomon's message. But here's the good news. <laughs> There is a true source of happiness, third. Solomon comes to this happy conclusion. There is nothing better for a person 
than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. Now at first glance, this seems to be eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's not though what Solomon is saying. Solomon is saying that when you have a relationship with God, these things, these good things are not an end in themselves. They can be seen as gifts from God and enjoyed in the, in the context of gifts from God, that you can enjoy them as they were meant to be enjoyed as created things when you have a relationship with the creator. None of these things, buildings, uh, relationships, um, careers, alcohol, comedy, iPhones, none of these things in themselves were meant to be sources of happiness, right? But when you know God and love him and serve him and fear him, you can enjoy all of these created things as gifts from God and not pursue happiness through them. If you pursue happiness through created things, you'll find striving after the wind, frustration and vanity. If you enjoy them as gifts from God, you will not only enjoy God, you will enjoy the good gifts that he's given you. Kind of a win-win, isn't it? I know which I'd prefer. You see, if we pursue created things in and of themselves as our source of meaning and happiness, we find that they leave us unsatisfied. Verse 25. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? There is no happiness and lasting enjoyment outside of God. That's what Solomon is saying. That's why you see so many um, autobiographies of famous celebrities with wealth and everything that you can imagine on earth are so sad, aren't they? Um, we were watching, uh, we, we quite like watching Top of the Pops, you know, the old ones. And we're going, and we would go, well, they died early. They died early. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a catalogue of people who've taken their lives. I don't mean this, uh, I'm not being flippant. I'm just saying that the power, the wealth, the acquisition of things does not bring people happiness. It seems to bring the opposite. You see, God is the one who gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. Happiness is the byproduct of a relationship with God. We don't go after happiness through iPhones, right? That's iPhone have got this sussed. They know that they can just bring out an update because we'll go on searching for happiness that we're not finding through the iPhone 9. So they'll bring out the 10, they'll bring out the 11, and so forth and so forth. We were never meant to find happiness through the iPhone. All right? Sorry if that disappoints some of you. God didn't wire us to find our joy and satisfaction through created things. Verse 26 is where we're to find happiness. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. Did you know that as a Christian, God wants you to, to be joyful and happy? I want to release you in that this morning. God loves it when we enjoy him and we enjoy life. Isn't that releasing? It's not just a, a list of rules. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. God has given us this beautiful world and all the created things. Great books. How I love great books and literature. How I love to listen to audio books and walk down the canal and just enjoy creation, right? 
I'll enjoy a glass of good wine. These are good things that God has given us to enjoy in the context of a relationship with him. We were never meant to find satisfaction and happiness and fulfillment through these created things. You see, when you receive life as a gift and all of the things in life you receive as gifts, you will be happy. And that's what God wants. Have you found this happiness, this joy, this fulfillment, this satisfaction that Solomon found? Talk to anybody who's a Christian. If you're not a Christian yet, if you've not invited Jesus into your heart, talk to anybody here about what it means to find happiness and joy through Jesus. And they'll pray with you if you want to, if you want that gift from God of, of knowing that you know God and that you know that there's meaning and purpose beyond this life for eternity, of knowing that everything you have is a good gift from God and he wants you to enjoy him and enjoy all the gifts he's given you and enjoy life to the full, you can have that. Because Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Anybody want abundant life? Yeah, that's what Jesus came for. That you would enjoy him and enjoy his good gifts to the full. That's the good news of the gospel. So just to land, coming into land now, pursuing true happiness and enjoying God. There's a book called Enjoying God. I read this. I loved it. God wants us to enjoy him. Right? Let's release ourselves in that joy this morning. Let's enjoy God and his creation. And when we turn back to God, asking him to save us from false pleasure seeking, something miraculous happens in us. The, the pleasures that we once went after for joy and happiness don't interest us anymore. God becomes our passion. And when God becomes our passion, we can enjoy laughter and wine and creation and walking and comedy as good gifts from him and enjoy them to the max. <laughs> Is that somebody's Siri going off there? It, for, for those on um, Zoom, somebody's uh, phone, probably, probably an iPhone. I'm probably in trouble with Sony this morning for all my... But somebody's Siri has just said, I'm sorry, I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go through the sermon again uh, because I've, you know, I've got dinner on next door and, we, and uh, we can't afford to be late. So I'm really sorry, Siri, if you don't understand. I'll give you a private tuition. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish there because I think that's God's way of saying you've gone on long enough. <laughs> When we learn to recognize the good things in life as gifts rather than as entitlements, we can experience genuine joy with true thanksgiving. Isn't that wonderful? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Thanks, Jacqueline. If you could stick that up, the last one. Well, I was the last one. All right, no worries. We won't. I'm really glad there's been some laughter in a sermon on Ecclesiastes because <laughs> this, is, this is heavy stuff, isn't it? You know, <laughs> this is heavy stuff. 
Praise God for that. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for the gift of laughter and of joy. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of joy and happiness and pleasure. And Lord, you want us all to experience delight and enjoyment in who you are. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us that rather than seeking happiness in created things, that we would seek our happiness and joy and satisfaction in you and you alone. Lord, help us to seek first the kingdom and all your righteousness. And may all these other things, including happiness as a byproduct, be added to us as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. And I have to follow that. <laughs> uh, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I mean, that's, that's our hope this morning, isn't it? That everything we do is for the Lord, and that's where we find our happiness and joy. Let's finish by singing, take my life and let it be. into this week we want to just give you praise and thanksgiving 
for all the good gifts that you give to us. But Lord, we thank you that our joy is found in you. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would just fill us with inexplicable joy as we go forward, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.